Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Podcast. I'm your host, Logan. Today is day number 53, and we are going to be wrapping up the book of Leviticus today with chapter 26 and 27. I'm looking forward to it. Let's pray before we get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you didn't just leave us to try to figure out who you are on our own. We would have been lost without hope in this world. But God, you chose to unveil your glory in the pages of Scripture. And so thank you so much that you give us the ability to read and to disclose your character from these pages. God, I pray that you would help me to set aside myself as I read. Let me cast down all of the idols that so easily pop up in my mind and my heart. And let me run to you for my satisfaction, for my joy, and for everything that I need for life and godliness. Thank you for this time. I pray that as I read, you would mold my heart into the shape of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, so this is it. Last two chapters in Leviticus, and we will be done. Uh, I put a quick question over on the Facebook group, just asking, out of all that you read in Leviticus, what stood out to you? What do you remember? What really made an impact on you from this reading through Leviticus. For me personally, it was looking at the festivals and how Jesus is the fulfillment of those. I love looking at this calendar that the Hebrews base their entire year upon and how we as Christians get to experience these same festivals, but with their fulfillment in Christ. It's really a beautiful picture. So I'd love to hear what you experienced from the book of Leviticus as we were going through it in these past couple of weeks. So, you ready? Got your Bible out? Let's do it. Here is Leviticus chapter 26 and 27. Chapter 26. You shall not make idols for yourself, or erect an image or pillar, and you shall not set up a figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last to the time of the grape harvest, and the grape harvest shall last to the time for sowing, and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land securely. I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will remove harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. You shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you and make you fruitful and multiply you, and will confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat old store long kept, 
and you shall clear out the old to make way for the new. I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you and will be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves. And I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. But if you will not listen to me and will not do all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes, and if your soul abhors my rules so that you will not do all my commandments but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic, with wasting disease and fever that consumes the eyes and makes the heart ache. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you shall be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you shall rule over you, and you shall flee when none pursues you. And if in spite of this you will not listen to me, then I will discipline you again sevenfold for your sin, and I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze. And your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield its increase, and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. Then, if you walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins, and I will let loose the wild beasts against you, which shall bereave you of your children and destroy your livestock and make you few in number, so that your roads shall be deserted. And if by this discipline you are not turned to me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you, and I myself will strike you sevenfold for your sins." And I will bring a sword upon you that shall execute vengeance for the covenant. And if you gather within your cities, I will send pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hands of the enemy. When I break your supply of bread, ten women shall bake your bread in a single oven, and shall dole out your bread again by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. But if in spite of this you will not listen to me, but walk contrary to me, Then I will walk contrary to you in fury, and I myself will discipline you sevenfold for your sins. You shall eat the flesh of your sons, and you shall eat the flesh of your daughters. And I will destroy your high places, and cut down your incense altars, and cast your dead bodies upon the dead bodies of your idols. And my soul will abhor you, and I will lay your cities waste, and will make your sanctuaries desolate. And I will not smell your pleasing aromas, and I myself will devastate the land so that your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled at it. And I will scatter you among the nations, and will unsheathe the sword after you, and your land shall be a desolation, and your cities shall be a waste. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths, as long as it lies desolate, while you are in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it shall have rest, the rest that it did not have on your Sabbaths when you were dwelling in it. And as for those of you who are left, I will send faintness into their hearts in the land of their enemies. The sound of a driven leaf shall put them into flight, and they shall flee as one flees from the sword, and they shall fall when none pursues. 
They shall stumble over one another, as if to escape a sword, though none pursues. And you shall have no power to stand before your enemies, and you shall perish among the nations, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And those of you who are left shall rot away in your enemies' lands because of their iniquity, and also because of the iniquities of their fathers. They shall rot away like them. But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers in their treachery that they committed against me, and also in walking contrary to me, so that I walked contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised heart is humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and I will remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. But the land shall be abandoned by them, and enjoy its Sabbaths while it lies desolate without them. And they shall make amends for their iniquity, because they spurned my rules, and their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them, neither will I abhor them, so as to destroy them utterly, and break my covenant with them. For I am the Lord their God, but I will for their sake remember the covenant with their forefathers, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes and rules and laws that the Lord made between himself and the people of Israel through Moses on Mount Sinai. Chapter 27 The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, and say to them, If anyone makes a special vow to the Lord, involving the valuation of persons, then the valuation of a male from twenty years old up to sixty years old shall be fifty shekels of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. If the person is a female, the valuation shall be thirty shekels. If the person is from five years old up to twenty years old, the valuation shall be for a male twenty shekels, and for a female ten shekels. If the person is from a month old up to five years old, the valuation shall be for a male five shekels of silver, and for a female the valuation shall be three shekels of silver. And if the person is sixty years old or over, then the valuation for a male shall be fifteen shekels, and for a female ten shekels. And if someone is too poor to pay the valuation, then he shall be made to stand before the priest, and the priest shall value him. The priest shall value him according to what the vower can afford. If the vow is an animal that may be offered as an offering to the Lord, all of it that he gives to the Lord is holy. He shall not exchange it or make a substitute for it, good for bad, bad for good. And if he does, in fact, substitute one animal for another, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. And if it is any unclean animal that may not be offered as an offering to the Lord, then he shall stand the animal before the priest, and the priest shall value it as either good or bad. As the priest values it, so it shall be. But if he wishes to redeem it, he shall add a fifth to the valuation. When a man dedicates his house as a holy gift to the Lord, the priest shall value it as either good or bad. As the priest values it, so it shall stand. And if the donor wishes to redeem his house, he shall add a fifth to the valuation price. 
and it shall be his. If a man dedicates to the Lord part of the land that is his possession, then the valuation shall be in proportion to its seed. A homer of barley seed shall be valued at fifty shekels of silver. If he dedicates his field from the year of Jubilee, the valuation shall stand. But if he dedicates his field after the Jubilee, then the priest shall calculate the price according to the years that remain until the year of Jubilee, and a deduction shall be made from the valuation. And if he who dedicates the field wishes to redeem it, he shall add a fifth to its valuation price, and it shall remain his. But if he does not wish to redeem the field, or if he has sold the field to another man, it shall not be redeemed any more. But the field, when it is released in the jubilee, shall be a holy gift to the Lord, like a field that has been devoted. The priest shall be in possession of it. If he dedicates to the Lord a field that he has bought, which is not a part of his possession, then the priest shall calculate the amount of the valuation for it up to the year of jubilee, and the man shall give the valuation on that day as a holy gift to the Lord. In the year of jubilee the field shall return to him from whom it was bought, to whom the land belongs as a possession. Every valuation shall be according to the shekel of the sanctuary. Twenty geras shall make a shekel. But a firstborn of animals, which as a firstborn belongs to the Lord, no man may dedicate, whether ox or sheep. It is the Lord's. And if it is an unclean animal, then he shall buy it back at the valuation, and add a fifth to it. Or, if it is not redeemed, it shall be sold at the valuation. But no devoted thing that a man devotes to the Lord, of anything that he has, whether man or beast, or of his inherited field, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy to the Lord. No one devoted, who is to be devoted for destruction from mankind, shall be ransomed. He shall surely be put to death. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of herd and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff, shall be holy to the Lord. One shall not differentiate between good or bad, neither shall he make a substitute for it. And if he does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses for the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. So here as we come to the end of the book of Leviticus, we come to the section of the book that talks about what happens if you obey versus what happens if you don't obey. This is kind of standard contract language for somebody like me who's worked in uh, the corporate world and you work with contracts. You know, after you outline the responsibilities of each party, then you say, well, here's what's going to happen if somebody breaks this contract. Here's what's going to happen if it is kept. And so this is a normal section and this would have been the way that covenants or contracts would have been kind of formulated during this time. And here in this first section of chapter 26, 
I want you to notice under the blessings for obedience what you don't find. There is no mention here in Leviticus of eternal rewards. There's nothing about eternal life. There's nothing about heaven. These are all earthly benefits. The promises here to Moses and to the people of Israel at Mount Sinai are all earthly benefits. It's the benefit of the land and having a nation that is created by God. This is a totally different thing from salvation. If we jump back to Genesis, we can see the grounds for individual salvation found in the story of Abraham. Abraham was saved by faith, not by his adherence to a covenant, not by the law, not by his obedience, but by faith. This list in the early part of chapter 26, where we see God's promises to his people, telling them that he will give them peace in the land, and they shall lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Uh, He will make his dwelling among them, and his soul will not abhor them. He will walk among them and be their God, and they shall be his people. These are all beautiful promises, but they're promises given to Israel about physical rewards for obedience if they obey the covenant. However, in the second half of chapter 26, we see the promises that God gives if they don't obey the covenant. What punishments will happen if they don't obey? And these are meant to be disciplinary. There are five levels or five sections of discipline that God goes through, and at each of them, he says, and if that doesn't work, then I'll try this. And if that doesn't work, then I'll try this. The point is always inviting the people back to a relationship with him, inviting the people back into covenant with him, inviting them to repent of their actions and turn back to him as their God. In the final of these levels, we see that if they don't obey the covenant, he will devastate the land, he will scatter them among the nations and have their enemies come after them. It is not a good scenario, and it's exactly what we see happen as we move forward in the biblical story. God was aware at the beginning that this people that he was calling for his own in the wilderness were going to be disobedient. They were going to run from him, and that he would have to provide a better way for them to come to him, not through obedience to a law and not in a temporal way, but in an eternal way. Jesus came to transfer these temporal benefits that were going to come to Israel into eternal benefits that would come to the church. Just look at God's faithfulness to his covenant. In verse 40, it says, but if you confess, like he's he's gone through all of these things saying, if you don't confess, then here's what's going to happen. But he says, if you do, If you confess your iniquity and you turn back, you stop walking contrary to me, then I will remember my covenant with you and with your forefathers. And I will remember this because I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt so that I might be your God. God wants to create a people for himself. He wants to build a family that will worship him. But the only way to worship God is to want to. 
and under the old covenant of works, the covenant of Sinai and the covenant of the Garden of Eden. Nobody wants to. Sin becomes our only want to until the new covenant comes along in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and the New Testament, where we see that God takes out our old, cold stone hearts and replaces them with a heart of flesh. He actually changes our want to so that now we no longer want to sin. Now, do we still sin? Of course. Of course we still sin. We still fall and fail. We are still human. But every time we do, our hearts are grieved and we turn back to him in repentance and he continues to pour out his grace upon us. As God outlines the blessings and the punishments for obedience or disobedience respectively, I think what he's really trying to ask these people is, what is your relationship to me? Are you going to obey and are you going to follow because you worship me and you love me? Or do you just want the benefits of this relationship? Do you just want the land? You want all the things that I bring to the table, and you want to do nothing to get it. That's not the way this relationship works, he says. If you love me, you will obey my commands. And I thank God that he doesn't just leave me to do this on my own. If I had to change my want to, it would never happen. But he regenerated my dead heart and made me able to follow his law. Not that I do it perfectly, but that I now desire to follow him. Not out of some desire to do the law on my own so that I might be saved, but because I am saved. And now my wants are his wants, and my mind is his mind, and my heart is his heart. And then here in chapter 27, after we see God make his vows to these people, vows to uphold his covenant if they would repent, we see this process of making a vow that is done by the people. That's what's going to close out the book is this concept of vows. And these vows were actually something that was done by the non-priests in order to take care of the temple or take care of the tabernacle business. Obviously, the tabernacle didn't just run itself. It needed oil and it needed animals to be sacrificed and they needed grain and they needed all of these different things to keep the process of the tabernacle running. And so people would either volunteer service, in the case of the Levites, or they would volunteer stuff. And as they make these special vows, uh, the valuation of certain items comes with a dollar amount. So that if I go to the temple and I say that I'm dedicating my land to the service of the temple, then that has a certain dollar amount. And it means that I'm giving over that dollar amount to the service of the temple. So here in the beginning of chapter 27, don't think that this is a valuation talking about like the price of a slave. This was actually the same thing that Hannah did for her son, Samuel, that she brought him to the temple once he was born and said, I'm going to hand him over to God. And he actually served in the temple uh, as a priest because she had devoted him to the service of the Lord. And notice here another way that God makes a concession, makes a way for those who are poor 
to come forward and to bring whatever they can. This reminds me of the section uh, in the New Testament where we have the widow who brings her two mites, her two little copper coins, and, and gives them. And Jesus says that she gave more than the guy who brings his big bag full of money in. It's not about the dollar amount of what you bring. It's about your heart, your heart attitude in the sense of giving. God loves a cheerful giver. Tomorrow, we are going to jump into the book of Numbers, and some of you are thinking, oh, great, Numbers. I hate math. Oh, totally different kind of Numbers. It's called Numbers because it's got a couple of censuses in it, and these censuses can be a little bit uh, tough to read through, can be a little hard to get through sometimes. You'll have to get through those and, and deal with it, and we'll talk about those as we get there. But I want you to know, Numbers is one of my favorite books of the uh, Torah because it's got some really cool stories that go along. Um, we're going to get to those as we go. I'm looking forward to it. I'll link to a video on the Facebook group uh, that has a quick overview. That way uh, you can take a look at it and know where we're heading as we go through the book of Numbers over this next week or so. Thank you for joining me today. I hope this has been encouraging to you. If so, please let me know by visiting the links that you find under the Connect With Us section in the show notes. I'm a simple man and I could use the encouragement. If you've been blessed enough that you would like to support the podcast, I would greatly appreciate that as well. You can go to buymeacoffee.com slash dbrpodcast to make either a one-time gift or to sign up for a monthly recurring membership gift. Until tomorrow, keep reading and keep worshiping.